Catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Hi, how are you doing? My name is Lillian, your brown sugar. You're listening to Africa Tech Radio. And it is time for Tech Me Back. Take me back, back into time. Today on Take Me Back, I, of course, what we do on Take Me Back is pretty simple. We take you down memory lane. We tell you about or remind you about the ways technology was used in different sector or sectors. I've told you about the medical sector and now we're entering the educational sector. Okay. I mean, I, I like to I like to reminisce. Nostalgia is such a good feeling for me. I like going into time. You see me on my Google photos. I go to memories and I just see where I was five years ago, two years ago, a year ago. And it's always such a wonderful experience for me. And so technology has played a significant role in every sector for centuries. It just gets better and better. I mean, who remembers what we used to rewind audio and video cassettes? Do you even remember what audio and video cassettes were? We used to take them, it was filled with files, either audio files or video files, and we slot them into our VHS or our audio, what did they call that thing again? Anyway, that was that. And of course, I remember because I did something way back that I really need to come clean about. See, these days, with a remote, you can rewind, you can fast forward on your phone. If you're watching a movie on your phone, you can just swipe it left and right with your fingers, you know. But if you're watching on the TV, I, if the TV is a smart TV, that is a touchscreen TV, you can just go and do prum, prum, it's rewind and fast forwarding. Or you can use your remote, anything, you can use your phone to control the TV. But those days, <laughs> the VHS, eh? If you don't have a VHS that, ha- that had the rewind function, then there's trouble. Yeah, I'm talking about those cassettes, not CDs, cassettes. Those black thick things that you just slot into the uh, cassette slot and your your movie will start playing. So the thing is, when you watch a movie, the tape from the side A will move over. Like it's it's full, but the other side is not full. So as you're watching the movie, side A is moving to side B, meaning that you are done watching the film. So if you want to watch it again and there's no rewind function on your VHS, you have to use a rewinder. Sometimes we use our hands and that took forever. Okay, so we had a uh, cassette rewinder then. It had two protruding sections that would be inserted in the holes of a cassette. If you don't know what a cassette is, you have to look it up so you understand what I'm talking about. There two holes, you see some white things in the black cassette. So the, that rewinder, will the protruding um, parts of it will fit beautifully into the cassette. Right, And it had a handle or a crank that you rotate to the volume of the right side is transferred to the left side or vice versa. For audio cassettes, it was a big pen or a hexagon-shaped pencil. You just put it in and start spinning until it's done. Or anything that can fit, really. We improvised. There was a time I used to use a spoon, the other side of a spoon, to rewind. (laughs) I've used spoons for so many things in my life. I've used spoons as a screwdriver. I've used spoons as a crank. I've used spoons for a lot of things. So, hmm, back to my story. I was home alone, which is when all atrocities occur. Really, if you think about it, many of the things I would do is when we are alone. And I was so young. I was a child. I wanted to watch a movie, but the last person who saw the movie did not rewind it to the beginning. That was really rude. So I tried. It got stuck. Instead of me to stop, 
you know you know when they say when there's resistance you stop i continued and i heard a sound i was like what <laughs> what just happened the handle the, the crank was on my hand or in my hand and i was like why did this thing just break i mean i was so gentle with it <laughs> What I did was just quietly take the two pieces and I threw it away, far away from my house. No one knew I was behind the disappearance. I mean, it is easier to explain its disappearance than to explain a damaged device. If it's, I see my phone is broken or damaged and I ask who damaged it, nobody's saying something. I know that somebody actually damaged it. I mean, this cassette rewinder was here and it was whole. And let me tell you, we had bought a lot of cassette rewinders before because they keep breaking. I'm not going to be the one that they will point out as the person who broke that cassette. So I had to throw it away. No worry, I will tell my family. They cannot beat me again. So I'm already an, an adult. I'm grown. So, you know, I, it, was, it was easy to just say, mm, I didn't see it, than to say, ah, I broke it. And then they will beat me. You understand? Anyway, I was saying that technology has played a significant role in the educational sector for decades, even before the widespread use of computers and the internet. And I'll be sharing some ways technology was used in education in the past. All right. And I'll just share a little bit. Then next week we'll continue on this series because we are in educational series. Africa unite. But we know the year what? Even Nigeria self never unites. Tribal wars here and there. You're hearing, oh, you're not from the state, so you're not. Uh, you don't have any right to talk about the state or to even stay in the state. And when I hear things like this, my heart breaks. My heart breaks for Nigeria. My heart breaks for Africa because at some point in some countries, there has been xenophobia. Right? We've seen xenophobia abroad. You're hearing, oh, you're not white. You're not black. I don't like hearing this because we see no color. I do not see color. I mean. I just hope everybody will change, like we're going to start leaving as one, uh, like this reggae songs tell us too. It is Africa Tech Radio listening to Tech Me Back. And I want to start telling you, giving you what, I'll tell you what it feels like or what technology was like back in the day. So I did a study on uh, adult education and I have like uh, an idea of how it was used because I studied it. I studied it. I mean, if you think back, back into your own time when you were a kid, how did you study? I'm not talking about you who used whiteboard, um, projectors, digital projectors and all that. No, I'm talking about you who studied before these things. Do you know that some people in some countries used to study under a tree? It is that tree that they were right under that tree. They were right uh, on you know a board or on the tree back what the lesson is for the day. Or some of them, they write it on the floor because they didn't have any other thing to write with. But let me tell you about overhead projectors. Now, overhead projectors were commonly used in classrooms before the digital projectors came about. Now, this was mostly used in the Western world. Teachers could write notes on transparency sheets and display them for the whole class to see. Now, this device, they used a bright light source and a series of lenses and mirrors to project images or texts from a transparent sheet or transparency into a wall or screen or onto a wall or a screen. Now, the transparency can be written on with a special marker pen, allowing the presenter to add notes, diagrams and other information in real time. Now, they were simple to use back then on like digital projectors. It could be quickly set up and ready to use with just a few simple adjustments. They were also really affordable 
which made them accessible to many organizations and institutions that might have been unable to afford the more expensive projection systems. However, Overhead projectors had limitations. The quality of the projected image, for instance, it can be affected by the room lightning and the quality of the transparency shit. Now, if your hand was not steady, it will distort whatever you write when you want to write in real time. Right? So you have to have a steady hand while writing on the transparency sheet to ensure that writing is legible. Writing on the transparency sheet also, you know, took time and skill. Right, so that writing is not distorted. Also, they lack the ability to display multimedia content such as videos or animations, which was such a bummer, really. Because, of course, life is not all about still images, it's also about the videos. <laughs> now, despite these limitations, many people still have fond memories of using overhead projectors in the classroom or office. They remain an important heart of the history of visual communication technology and i have to say kudos to the inventors of this because it solved the problem back then they realized that people needed to see stuff and they said okay how can we do this let us use this projector that they called overhead projector and i think it worked there was also another kind of projector you know a little bit higher than overhead projector it's called a film projector it was commonly used in classrooms to show educational films to students now these projectors worked by feeding a reel of film and when i say reel i'm not talking about a cassette i'm talking about a big reel just so big for my liking but that is what they got right a huge reel of film through a series of lenses and the light source now in in some cases you see them using a crank to actually you know wind it it doesn't just play automatically so this particular projector worked by feeding a reel of film through a series of lenses and the light source this light source projected the moving images onto a screen or wall Teachers could use these films to enhance their lessons and provide visual aid. It helped students better understand complex topics. Also, educational films that they showed included, you know, science and history, also social studies and health education. And many schools and libraries had extensive collections of these films. They had a section where these films were, were stored and teachers would just go there, borrow it or rent it. Some films were also created specifically for classroom use without audio. So when you're playing it for these children or when you're just driving it, a narrator will be there to guide students through the material. As you can see, the lion has spotted the deer. Would it go and hunt or would it allow it to move? Oops. Sorry, dear. The lion decided to hunt. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Anyway, that narrator will provide context and information. Now, this also had benefits, right? Like um, the benefits of using film projectors in the classroom was that they allowed teachers to provide a more immersive learning experience for their students by showing moving images and animations. Students were able to visualize concepts, visualize ideas in a way that was not possible with static images or text alone. So they could see things. They could see films. They could see movies, something moving, videos. Also, the use of film projectors helped break the monotony of traditional lectures and it helped keep students engaged. Imagine, although in our secondary school, our university actually, I think they have taken us way back because they don't use anything fun to teach us. 
you're in classroom. The only thing, the highest thing they can do is to tell us stories. And I mean, why can't you have a projector and show us a film? Why can't you have a projector and show us a video? Why can't you do something fun? Why are you only using visual aids for primary school, uh, secondary schools and nursery? What happened to the university? That's why university is actually very boring. However, they, it had uh, some drawbacks. They required a significant amount of setup and maintenance and the film reels needed to be carefully loaded and threaded through the projector they were also prone to malfunctions and breakdowns and it could disrupt lessons and cause frustration for teachers and students alike finally films are typically limited to a specific length yes it meant that teachers had to carefully choose which films to show and plan their lessons accordingly maybe talk for like 10 minutes show the film for 10 minutes and then talk again for 10 minutes ask questions question and answer and everything so it was limited despite these challenges film projectors played an important role in classroom education for many years not just that even people in their homes they'll shoot oh this is my child is working let me shoot my child working for the first time she said dada this is what she said dada for the first time although there's no sound and then they're in their house even their wedding pictures somebody's there shooting it and that is how they're watching it it was noisy really but it was efficient i mean that can jog memories of you know things that happened way back arriba arriba <laughs> oh my gosh when i hear songs like this i just want to burst into dancing but you know what i do not know how to dance i'm terrible when i was younger i used to be like, great in dancing i used to dance break and lives you know the breaking of the waist i danced i danced a lot of things a lot of things i even break did a little bit of um, break dance and miming but you know, when we are getting hold, our whole body will be doing us somehow. Our waist will just be sighting everyhow. And then we'll not be able to dance. But <laughs> well, don't worry. By the, on, somebody said the unfailing, unfailing grace of God, I'm going to dance again. Well, um, like I have told you numerous times, you're still listening to Africa Tech Radio. And you're listening to Tech Me Back. My name is Lillian. You can call me your brown sugar. I've been telling you about ways technology was used in the past. And um, it's time for us to tell you about slide projectors. Now, we're still in the slide, the projector area. So, slide projectors were used to display photographic slides for educational purposes. Now, this could be used to show images of historical artifacts, work of art, or even scientific diagrams. I checked the video of a slide projector and I said, okay, I liked that invention, really. If you have a couple of photos, you just shook it, shook it, shook it, shook it, shook it inside. You insert it and then it will project to the wall or whatever you want to project to. They were a popular tool in classrooms and other educational settings for many, many years. Now, these projectors worked by sharing, uh, shining a bright light through a slide, which contains a small photographic image mounted on a thin piece of glass or plastic. Now, the image was then projected onto a screen or wall, allowing the audience to see it in greater detail. Slides were a versatile tool for educators, as they could be used to display images of almost anything. From works of art to historical artifacts to scientific diagrams to maps. I want to show you how the skeleton looks like so that you can. I don't know why we even did that. Well, the people in the medical field found that useful. I didn't. And teachers could also use them to provide visual aids for their lessons, helping students better understand the complex concepts and ideas. Now, the thing is, anything that can be used in the educational sector can be used anywhere, really. So, it was used in offices, it was used in gatherings, in lectures, you know, non, 
uh, not school setting, I'm talking about non-formal education. And one of the key advantages of slide projectors was that they provided a high level of image quality. Now, this is unlike the film projectors, which could suffer from scratches and other forms of damage. Slides were typically produced to a very high standard with sharp, detailed images that could be easily seen from the back of the classroom. You know what I'm saying? Hunty, hunty, increase the lights. Increase it. No, you can actually see um, what the teacher is showing you. And this made them an ideal tool for showing works of art and other visual materials where detail was important however of course like every other thing in life it had its own limitations like film projectors they required a significant amount of setup and maintenance oh you will not put this word yeah this rope will go through here so this is why i cannot click it here and then oh it was just so much as the slides had to be carefully loaded into the projector and checked for damage or dirt they were also limited to displaying still images it meant that they were less effective for showing dynamic or interactive content. Like I said before, I want to see things move, fly, dance, everything. Don't just stay still. Even though it had these limitations, it was important back then. So people will look back and say, yeah, mm-hmm, it did its job. It helped me a lot. And back then, they wouldn't be seeing the disadvantages, really, apart from the scientists who would like to make it better, the inventors, the innovators who would like to make it better. Because it's the, um, the fact that this, these innovations grew, you know, they evolved over the years. It's just owing to the fact that people saw something and saw what it could be rather than what it already is that is what innovation is all about right i'm seeing uh, this um, computer and i'm seeing that it can be a microchip in the head that can be showing me whatever i want to look at rather than just a computer that is like large like this so i start working towards it i see what it is and i see what it can be so i start working to connect these two things that is what innovation is all about i think i need to be quoted now i mean somebody should write lillian under this quote i mean ah i didn't talk anyway this also helped pave way for digital projectors which have largely replaced them in modern classrooms and boardrooms and everywhere. Everybody wants to put their slideshow. I have a slide. I have a slide to present. I have a PowerPoint. Any small people will whip out their PowerPoints like it's like a, a weapon. But, I mean, these projectors remain an important part of history of visual communication and technology. And with that, I have wrapped up the projector series. Now... Let's talk about the blackboard. When I talk about the blackboard, what did you think about? I remember mess. I remember how messy blackboards were because it's a black. Okay, so um, from when I was growing up, I have to talk about where I, what I know, right? From when I was growing up, it was when a class is being set up or a school is being built, they will just do something protruding on the wall, and it's very smooth. So it is. I won't call it a blackboard because it was like a wall painted black so when they do that then they will now paint that projected part of the wall black so the teacher will come in and use a white chalk and sometimes they just want to make it fancy and mix it um, mix and match they will get other colors of um chalks because uh, they had they had the the red they had the the yellow and the green i don't know about any other color so you see the the painted part of the wall sometimes it's not even protruding it's just a section of the wall that was painted and the teacher is writing when she's done writing she'll say clean the board then one tiny human will just run and take the black the duster they call it the duster 
and cleaned the board. As the that human is cleaning the board, every dust is just flying up and down because they use a chalk for the writing. Sometimes you won't even have a duster because, of course, somebody from another class came to your own class and borrowed the duster. So you have to go to that class and say, my teacher said I should come and collect my duster. You know, it's just all messy and chaotic. But then it started evolving, right? While some had it on the wall, like like had a projected part of the wall for their writing, others had a, a like literal board, like a board, a wooden board attached to the wall. Some had the board standing. But I think the wall thing worked fine for most people because that's what we're now using for a long time. It was great. It was absolutely great because we learned everything we had to learn. And it brought memories because we had this girl in my class. She used to eat chalk. So when the teacher finishes his writing, he's all writing and throws the chalk, the, the small part of the chalk that she cannot use to write anymore, away, that lady, I won't call her name, she just went to the front of the, the class and pick up the chalk and start eating it. I'm like, why? Why are you chewing chalk? I mean, what's happening? What's, what's the innermost problem that is happening in your head? I didn't understand why and I didn't get a chance to find out because she transferred later. So what am I saying? Everybody has experienced a form of the board. There's this small one we used for lesson back then. Very tiny board like that. And some some, some classrooms that couldn't afford anything else will use that. Some people will just go and break out one wood somewhere and just rest it on the wall and use it as a board. Anything was used as a board then. Right, and let me just tell you, it began in 1801 with a large piece of slate hung on the wall in a school in Scotland. In fact, children didn't use te- um, books too; they had their own small slates on their neck. That is what they used to write. It's just amazing how how tech has evolved over the years, right? So this was used to provide information to a large audience at one time in the U.S. by mid 19th century. Every classroom had a blackboard to teach students. The modern version of the blackboard is now either... Okay, so from that flat blackboard, what we now started using was a... I can't explain it. It was a whiteboard that's basically a smooth... Well, I call it wood because the back was wooden. So it was just so smooth. So you use you don't use a chalk. That's when chalk started phasing out. You don't use chalks for this board. You use a marker. Not a permanent marker. A temporal marker that you can just use your hand to wipe out. So the mess reduced. There was a, a, a small cleaner. They don't call it duster anymore because there was no dust to the markers. So the small clean, the cleaner will use some, sometimes the magnetic board cleaner. It just stays on the, in the, on the board. Now there's this original one, there's the fake ones, but a lot of schools were using the fake. So at a point you see that um, the markers were not going away, then you have to wash the board. How they used to rejuvenate the blackboard back then when they were still using chalk was to gather batteries. I'm talking about double D batteries, those big batteries. You break the battery when it's dead. You bring out the black thing. You pound the black thing and pour water or something. I've forgotten if it's water. And then they use that to paint the board. That is what we used to rejuvenate the board. But now, the, the modern board has you know evolved from the, the black wooden board to the cemented one to the white board. Now, they use green or brown board or slideshows or powerpoint or they use a tv a huge screen tv in front of the class and the teacher has already her notes already there and as she's talking she's just pressing the button the pointer and the pointer is adding some more notes so no need to stress yourself to write technology equals ease of doing business now 
Speaking of television, you see, educational television programs were broadcasters in the past to supplement classroom instruction. So if you ha- we are fortunate enough to, n- to have a television at home, that was amazing. I remember back then in some local televisions, you see somebody teaching math, English and everything. But trust me, I never watched them. <laughs> I mean, why? <laughs> why will I leave class? I went to school by 8. 8 o'clock is the time for school. Never be late in the morning. <laughs> so I'll leave my house around 7. Go to school by 8. Stay there till 3. Have extra lesson by 4. Come back home by 5 o'clock. And then I'll put on my TV. I'm watching mathematics. And for what? For why? So I'd never use that. But it was the primary means of um, education for so many people who could not afford to go to school or who could not even go to school or who wanted more education after school. You know, so these programs are usually aired during school hours and they were designed to, sc- to cover specific subjects. But some other, you know, stations still aired some weekends. Television has been an important tool for education since the early days of broadcasting. In the past, technological television programs are often used to supplement classroom instruction like science, social studies, history, mathematics. I wish now in retrospect, I, I should have just learned maths some more because... There's a problem there right now. <laughs> now, these programs were usually aired during school hours, like I have said, and they just provided additional content and resources for students and teachers. Educational TV programs were typically produced by public broadcasting networks. Um, there's PBS in the United States or BBC in the United Kingdom. In Nigeria, even till now, some local TVs still do some uh, educational programs. It's something that should never stop. They covered a wide range of subjects, a wide range of subjects, and some of them were even interactive so that students can engage with the material. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the key advantages of educational television programs was that they could be used to teach and reach a large audience at once. Unlike the classroom where you just stand and it's the people you're seeing anywhere below face, right? But this one... If you could have like 20 people in your class at once, in using the television, you can reach thousands and millions at once. You see, that is amazing. Just really good. And you can tape it and play it again. It saved time, allowed teachers to focus on other aspects of their lessons, and it was just amazing. But like everything, like I've said before, it had its own limitations. They were produced for a broad audience, and it meant that they had to be designed to be accessible and engaging for a wide range of age groups and learning levels. And it could make them less efficient for students who needed more individualized instructions, uh, who had specific learning needs. I thought, I thought for three years, not as a professional teacher, as an assistant. When I was even applying for the job in this Lagos here, Iba, I said, application for the role of an assistant teacher. I mean, they know even to say, I can't do teaching work. I don't want to be a teacher. I just want to be an assistant. You get, but I ended up having, having my own classroom. And, you know, the television was mainly used back then to watch Cartoon Network and to watch some, you know, educational videos. A as an app, B as a ball, you know, those kinds of educational programs and just, you know, for passing time for the children or cartoons or, or you know, child, children-friendly movies. They were not used as a primary source of um, learning because the classroom, I mean, you're in class, right? But back then, they used it for everything. So the fact that this was the courses or the, the subjects were packaged for general learning, 
then those people needed extra hands. Oh, if you have thought, you know what I mean. Like, you give the whole class the same thing at the same time, and like four of them will finish faster because they're smarter. And the others, because they needed more time or they needed more assistance, they would, you know, submit later. Some people will never submit at all because they didn't even understand what you're saying in the first place, right? So some people need special learning individualized learning and nothing is that the availability of educational television programs could could vary depending on the school or region now schools with limited access to television broadcasts or without the necessary equipment may not be able to have you know take advantage of that resource but educational television remains an important part of history and today it still helps to pave the way for future technologies. It helps pave the way for online video content. What you see on YouTube now, what you see on Instagram and TikTok, people teaching you, they all started with broadcast, right? What doesn't mean that people don't still use, you know, broadcasts for education. It is still done till today. Not everybody has access to internet, even till today, right? And they're still used in some classrooms. I'll tell you about radio next because that's what we're going to do before we leave the next week. We'll talk some more, tell you about, you know, some other ways that technology played a huge role in education in the past. Just like television, radio were also used for education. But let me tell you something. This one was even more effective because radios were everywhere. Like the cheapest means of broadcasting was radio. You just take a radio to Ajangbadi, take it to one tiny village in that place and you still hear everything, you know, as long as it's a radio. And you don't need subscription, you get the, the batteries and you put it in the sun or you buy a new one. But if you put the batteries in the sun, you have to charge it for another couple of hours. So radio programs were used for educational purposes and um, these programs are designed to cover a wide range of subjects from basic literacy to advanced science topics. So in the past, radio was used to supplement or even provide primary education for students in the areas, that's rural areas, and educational radio programs covered lots of things. Now, one of the key advantages of educational radio programs was their accessibility because radios is not expensive and it's really available. You can even give thousands of radios to people as gifts and you won't even feel it. You don't need electricity, you don't need modern amenities to have a radio. And it made it possible for students and learners to access educational content from almost anywhere without the need for expensive equipment or specialized training. But um, this also had its limitations because they were often produced for a broad audience, the same issues we had that television had. But... Um, it still worked because no matter what, they still got something. At least something is, is is better than nothing. Some people will say half bread is better than puff puff. Yes. <laughs> and the availability of educational radio programs could vary depending on the region or the country. But despite all those limitations, it remains an important part of history. Like people will look back and thank the radio for even being in existence with that i'm gonna say bye on take me back and we're still gonna giving you some ted talks so you can listen to and get inspired because mm, some people did suck <laughs> yes my name is lillian and i'm glad you joined us all three today i'll be right back next week for take me back on monday we get you back to base 3 p.m on tuesdays we'll give you great content wednesdays 3 p.m we'll give you tech untapped and then 
Thursdays Tech Me Back. Enjoy Africa Tech Radio, your number one Africa Tech Radio. <laughs> I like what I did there. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.